Hey friends, and welcome to this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a counterterrorism professional turned career coach, speaker, and Forbes blogger, and I created the U-Turn Podcast because, let's face it, every now and again, we realize that we're living life on autopilot, and it's time to wake up and make that U-Turn in your life. So prepare to go deep with some of the most transformational people I know, here to help you grow and upgrade your mindset, whether it's in work or love. In the meantime, we've opened up access to three free e-courses on uturnpodcast.com. So head on over there if you want to land a new job you love, find your purpose, or launch your dream business. All of these courses are totally free. All you got to do is head on over to uturnpodcast.com. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com. Now let's get started with this week's guest. You can definitely ask yourself self-proving questions like, is there anything about the men that I'm dating that feels familiar and similar? Do they remind you of anyone? Are there any common themes or patterns uh, you know, that came up in your last three relationships? What do these patterns reveal mm. about your beliefs around love and relationships? What new beliefs can you replace the old ones with that would serve you most? Hello, friends. It's U-Turn Podcast Wednesday, and I have Lenina Mortimer here. She is the author of I Ain't Thinking About You, and she is a dating coach that helps women clearly overcome their breakups uh, based on that awesome name of her book. And I am just so excited to ask her all the questions about how to move on. And she revealed to me before we started recording that she has this thing called a breakup funeral with eight steps. And we're going to go real deep into a few of them. And I'm just really excited by this idea. It sounds really creative and really excited to ask questions. So Lenina, thank you for making the time. Yes. Thank you, Ashley. I'm so, I'm so honored and happy to be a guest here. Yeah, thank please. Thank you. I, <laughs> for those of you listening, Lenina, I was telling her like, there's a couple weird things that guests will do, but you're not going to be one of them. And she's like, uh, define weird. So I was like, just going on with her about all a couple weird moments that I've had with guests and insisting that it's not going to be her. So we've just got to send her good vibes right now because that's just not going to be you, Lenina. <laughs> um, so tell me, like, what got you what what got you to come up with the concept of a breakup funeral? It sounds like such a wonderful, necessary concept. Great. Okay. Um, good question. So I created a process called the breakup funeral method after having been ghosted. Oh. And so, um, as your guests probably know, like, you know, uh, ghosting is, um, when someone breaks up with you without telling you. And so seeing this guy, he disappeared and I was left feeling abandoned, rejected, unworthy, and I needed a way to process it all. And at the time, I was in grad school um, studying spiritual psychology at Columbia, and I did all this research on how to overcome breakups, research about forgiveness, research about um, acceptance, and I, you know, really created a process and methodology. And in all the research you read, were there any statistics or numbers or discoveries you had that still really stick with you today and you think about often? Uh, you know what? One that really sticks with me is I read this one um, research on um, that linked heartbreak and physical pain to each other. 
Mm. So the study showed that um, there were some uh, the same area of the brain that um, activates when you're feeling physical pain also activates when you're feeling emotional pain. And so the the researchers were like, so take an, you know an aspirin or mm. you know <laughs> some uh, Tylenol. So that's one that sticks with me. Wow. I believe it. I mean, when your heart is broken, it's like one of the most paralyzing feelings I've experienced. It truly feels like a sickness, like a spiritual sickness when your heart hurts. So, um, and what got, and when you say you got ghosted, was it a long-term relationship? Was it a dating situation that you thought was going well? Like what led you into this passion for the research? Mm, okay. So seeing, we were friends and I, st- we started seeing each other dating casually and then, he slow ghosted, slowly stopped returning my phone calls. And then, <laughs> and then I was in like deep denial. I'm like, is this really happening? And oh my God, am I getting ghosted? And finally, my sisters, they ran an intervention on me. They're like, you've got to understand that he's not here because he doesn't want to be here. And just because he can't make a choice about you doesn't mean that you can't make a choice for yourself. And so then that's when it hit me. I like, a slow tear ran down my cheek and onto my lap and rolled onto the floor. That's, <laughs> I was just like, oh, this is really happening. I'm getting mm. ghosted. Wow. One of my favorite um, approaches to this thought of ghosting is how much they're doing you a favor by dumping themselves for you, but it still <laughs> doesn't really change the pain, you know? Like, it's it's mm-hmm. just so painful. So for anybody who is dating right now and kind of dealing with that kind of nonsense, what words of wisdom do you have? Um, cause I know you see people in the end when it really didn't work out and they went through this heartbreak and I know that everybody's meant for the heartbreaks and the joys that they experience. But, um, what words of wisdom do you have for somebody to avoid an unnecessary relationship? You know, if there's such a thing, mm, um, what words of wisdom can I share with someone who's experiencing the pain or, um, someone before they get to the pain. Yeah. Like before they even choose that person, you know, like there's so many people where it's like, when you really take a look at it, you're, you were always going to get your heart broken, you know, like they have heartbreak written on their face. Like why we, we dive into these connections that we know are going to hurt us. Do you have any yeah. feedback or like indicators for people to look out for as somebody who sees somebody in the rocky end when they're in the heartbreak? <laughs> Absolutely. The, my first suggestion would be to listen, <sighs> listen to their behavior, listen to how they're showing up, um, listen to yourself because it was as much as I want to be like, it was a surprise. He ghosted out of nowhere. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. He was showing signs of flakiness weeks prior, weeks prior to it. And I just had this tunnel vision in which I wouldn't let myself see anything outside of what I wanted to see. And that was he's a family man. He wants a family. He wants to be married someday. And it's like, and he wants to do all those things with me. And I deluded myself. (laughs) And, um, I, I would offer, take the blinders off and listen to what he's showing you. Mm, Yeah. People show you who they are. Okay. Well, you talk about the breakup funeral and you say the first step is to begin with acceptance. And It's so interesting because some people spend their whole lives in a process of accepting something, you know? So is there any um, keys that you have for somebody who is in the breakup and they're still kind of living in it or holding on to it? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So um, I want to 
I want to really backtrack and start by saying that, you know, the breakup funeral is, is a group workshop and it's an intervention designed to help people let go of the past and create hope for the future. Mm-hmm. And the intervention really borrows principles from positive psychology and transpersonal psychotherapy and African spirituality. Beautiful. And so, um, the, the first step is to begin with acceptance because like, uh, you know, the story I just shared about my deep denial, um, I couldn't even get to the place to process the hurt and the pain before getting to the space of, oh, this really actually happened. Mm. And so I don't know if I'm answering your question, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, um, healing begins with acceptance. I think Iyama Banzan said that actually. And do you think that, um, that's like, would you say that that's the hardest part of anybody who's coping with the breakup is actually the acceptance piece? Well, it was the hardest part for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, acceptance is one of those words that, um, we talk about often, but no one ever defines what it is. Yeah. Talk to me. And- what does it mean? Well, I I define acceptance as the willingness to receive um, what's been offered. And and in this case, um, by life. (laughs) So it's a choice to either accept or 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 not. But the the situation that I was in, um, I the there were several things that kept me from getting to acceptance, which was like me internalizing and self-blaming and saying, well, you know, maybe I did something wrong. Mm-hmm. Maybe there was, maybe there was something that I said for him to, um, to show up this way. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, the tunnel vision I talk about, mm-hmm. um, it's a cognitive bias called confirmation bias where we just, um, we see and pick up the things that we, um, only confirm what we already believe. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it's like this little trick that our brain plays on us. And so one of the ways to like, um, really get in between that, get in between that and, um, stop it is to really surround yourself with people who can share with you when you've got your blinders on. Mm. Like my sister is like, they, that intervention I'm talking about, like they saw it for what it was when I couldn't see it because I was too far in. And, um, you know, like moving into acceptance, like how does somebody even begin to do it? Because, it's easy to say, just accept it, but that doesn't mean that somebody can in, have that somatic experience in their body of, okay, this happened. I need to move on, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. how to begin with acceptance. Hmm, to... You know, it's one of those things that I know a lot of people struggle with, mm-hmm. um, met someone who randomly at a spa, who's just like, yeah, you know what? I think I got ghosted, but you know what? Um, I, you know, I think there might be a cultural barrier going on. I think that, I, I think that um, because he's foreign, he doesn't really know how things go, and this is why he hasn't called me or picked up the phone. I, so a lot of the barriers to um, acceptance is really the stories that we tell ourselves to protect ourselves from feeling the rejection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it doesn't matter that he's Japanese and you're American. Rude is rude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Courtesy and kindness is a universal language, sister. Yeah. Exactly. I get it. Okay. And 
you talk about envisioning the results. So after you can really accept that this happened and you've got to move forward, you cannot hold on to hope and you can kind of maybe identify some of the ways that you're keeping the hope alive, you know, mm-hmm. um, what can someone do to envision the results as another step in the breakup funeral? Mm, you know, um, Lisa Nichols says that you plan for what you want to create, not what you want to avoid. Mm. And so, right? Yeah, it's good. <laughs> and, and so with envisioning the results, it's about like really getting clear about what your life looks like, what you're working towards um, as you're moving through your healing process after the breakup. Mm-hmm. Okay, so tell me a little bit more about that. Okay. So um, in my book, um, I, I talk about um, this sociologist, his name is Bill Bankston, and um, he learned this neat trick where he can heal cancel, cancer-riddled mice with his thoughts. <laughs> and it's, um, it was a little bit far out there for me when I first read it, um, but I learned that he, um, he met this healer in the 80s who taught him how. And so he set up, he created this technique where um, he would, I guess, um, hover his hand over these mice and um, um, scan through images of things that brought him the most joy. And so what he, essentially what he was doing was cre- putting himself in an altered state and really focusing his um, focusing um, his his mind his intention on what he most wanted and so um, this is part I mean we don't do that in the breakup funeral but it's part of this methodology we use when we are just like really focusing in on what it is that we want to create if that is joy then we get clear about that if that is um, moving on and creating a family for yourself, then we get really clear about that and we focus on that. And so when I say um, envision the results, it really is get clear about what you want and mm. don't want. And let's focus on what you do. Mm. Okay. And um, I think that figuring out what you really want is one of the most challenging and intimidating tasks that I think a lot of people embark on is you know, we live in a busy world. There's a lot of messages coming at us. We, you know, even as kids, we're told that our career options are like to be a teacher, a doctor, a firefighter, maybe a veterinarian. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of limitation put on the expansiveness that so many kids come into the world with. So I'm curious from your standpoint, like how can someone start to even get in touch with what they want, especially when they're in the throes of a breakup that, that has really just rocked their world where maybe they had this whole future that they thought they wanted with this person. Now it's gone. What would be that next step? I like this question about like, well, um, in the middle of all the tumult and our emotional turmoil and chaos, um, um, finding that quiet space in which you decide what it is you want, because I don't, I don't really believe it's um, when we're in the middle of survival mode that it's natural, like that you stop, stop, drop, and roll and say, well, what is it that I want to create? So part of that is um, reaching out to a person or um, uh, a coach or a family member you know, to really support you in um, figuring it out. 
because mm. um, I don't know that I could have done that in that moment when I was just like so full of like emotional pain. It was really like the people around me. And granted, I, I at the time I was going to school with all these therapists, That's <laughs> psychotherapists. <really helpful. laughs> yeah, so I actually got the support I needed in the classroom and with my classmates who are also um, spiritual psychologists. So it was very useful and very convenient for me. Mm. However, for those who don't have this kind of support readily, um, there, there are tons of books on how to self-coach. There are um, uh, tons of resources on, you know, the self-proven questions to ask yourself. Mm. Okay. And what are some questions that you think are really powerful generators for somebody listening to get more connected to what they really want next? Well, I would start with what did this come here to teach me? What do I really want to let go of? What does my life look like six months from now? Okay. And as far as, um, I don't know, like the, the breakup funeral goes, you know, so maybe somebody starts to accept it. They start to envision what they want versus what they don't. Um, another step you offered was discovering the hidden lessons. Um, what does that really mean as it relates to someone, um, getting connected to why or what they can learn from this kind of heartbreak? So I'll, I'll share a story about, um, my hidden lessons that came up for me. Freud said something along the line of you date your mom, you date your dad. And I'm oversimplifying it, but for the purposes of the story, you'll, you'll see where I'm going with it. Um, and when I was um, uh, going through this, this um, I guess, acceptance phase of this breakup, I remembered that quote. And then I remember thinking to myself, well, you know, um, I, my relationship with my dad is fine but why do I have all these like dysfunctional relationships? And so up until that point, I would date someone and be really loving and passionate for a couple of months and then it would end. And so I don't know if I'd ever been ghosted before, but this was the first time I actually cared. Mm. And so when, um, when I, you know, sat back and reflected on it, I remembered that, um, growing up, I had two father figures and so when I was four, like, um, I had like my dad and my uncle, my uncle was the love of my life. We spent all this time together. Right. And so, um, and then one day he disappears. Mm. And so I realized as an adult that I had just been recreating the relationship I had with my uncle over and over and over again. And so I wasn't dating my dad. I was dating my uncle. And I didn't have daddy issues. I had uncle daddy issues. And that was part of discovering the hidden lessons. Mm. Sometimes um, the lessons that um, um, the, you know, these um, encounters have come to teach you are hidden in plain sight. I, I realized, one of the things I realized from this encounter was that I had this underlying belief that I wasn't deserving to be loved consistently. Mm. And this really shed a light on that and blew it out of the water. Mm. I know a lot of people, when they think of uncovering beliefs rooted in their upbringing, as it relates to their relationship, it feels like a big blur. Like how do they even begin doing that? 
And I know a lot of people may want to seek support from a coach, a therapist, something like that. But I know other people really are open, you know what I mean, to this kind of self-discovery and they're not feeling any sort of pressing pain in their lives, but curious about themselves. So do you have any questions you can ask people who are listening right now to help direct them into, you know, these sorts of questions that help them kind of take a look at their upbringing and evaluate where it may or may not have influenced the current state of their relationships? Mm, 100%. You can definitely ask yourself these self-proving questions like, um, is there anything about the men that I'm dating that feels familiar and similar? Do they remind you of anyone? Are there any common themes or patterns uh, you know, that came up in your last three relationships? Uh, what do these patterns reveal mm. about your beliefs around love and relationships? What new beliefs can you replace the old ones with that would serve you most? Oh, I love that. Okay. Hey, U-Turners. So sorry for the quick interruption, but I want to make sure you know that this episode has been brought to you by the Career Clarity Lab, the online course to help you find your career purpose in the workforce and upgrade your confidence. So if you're ready to unlock the best career path for you and you'd like to try a free version of our Clarity course, just head on over to uturnpodcast.com slash clarity. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com slash clarity. Now let's get back to this week's episode. you know, just thinking about your breakup funeral and, you know, these steps. I think it's funny because I'm realizing as I'm listening to you talk, like there's a lot of people who maybe when they started listening, they thought, oh, I need to have a breakup funeral. Like I just got it through a breakup or maybe they thought this isn't for me. I'm not going through a breakup when uh, the more I'm listening, the more I'm thinking, yeah, but this, you know, some people carry people with them and never accept or get over something for years. You know, I have a friend who's been single for seven years and she's amazing. Um, but she still talks about her ex from college that from like 12 years ago, um, with a fondness that tells me like she hasn't accepted their breakup fully. And I actually saw her starting to accept that they broke up recently when she reached back out to him because he had gone through a breakup with somebody who was single again. And I saw her reach out to him and, and he just didn't, he wasn't very responsive about making plans. Uh, he acknowledged her message and was kind in that regard, but wasn't that interested in communicating with her. And so I, I saw the beginning for me with her of like, oh, wow, I think she's beginning to face this breakup. You know, like I was, I see, I saw the pain on her face, like, oh, wow, 12 years later, she's landing into this. So um, do you think that that's a, a common thing that people just don't fully face their pain when it comes to this sort of thing? And it's plausible that somebody's carrying somebody inside of them, you know, in their heart that it's like years and years old that they maybe haven't considered? 100%. Yes. Mm. So, so, um, we go into a relationship with people and sometimes we, um, also carry their stuff around with us and without even noticing mm. and whether it could be a thought like, Oh, you know, um, he's the one that got away. She's the one that got away. Or, um, if he's ever single again, I'm going to shoot my shot or I know it's fated for us to be together. Mm. sometimes these little sneaky thoughts get in there. And um, really interestingly, um, I, after I was going through my breakup, I, I, my friend 
um, who is a psychic medium, I had a reading with her. And before I told her anything that was going on with me, um, I sat down and she's like, listen, girl, spirit says that, you know, you've got the past, you've got the ghosts of past lovers all around you. And I'm like, oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, girl, you know, I just got ghosted. Like, Uh how did you know? So she's like, yeah, listen, um, Spirit says you've got to memorialize these these guys, these relationships in some way. You can do like maybe like a little private ceremony, a little something, you know, acknowledge um, acknowledge your relationship, honor it, and then put it to bed, put it to rest. And I'm like, listen, I am going to throw a funeral. I'm going to invite my girls, light up the fire pit out back, and we're just going to release some stuff. Mm. and drank some pink champagne. And so um, the people I invited, they weren't actively going through breakups. They were, they're married. They're like entrepreneurs. They're like women about their ish, really about their business. And so they didn't have an active heartbreak coming up for them. And um, I just made a very general invitation. I was like, listen, I've got some stuff to release and let go of. Um, and I invite you if you have some stuff to, to release and let go of yourself Mm. and they came. Mm. And so it is so very plausible that, um, a relationship from 10 years ago, (laughs) 15 years ago can still very much be, um, um, lingering around you, um, and subtly, subtly like holding you back from, um, the relationship that you that you deserve or the love that you deserve. Mm. And you talk a lot about, um, you know, after you've kind of moved into acceptance and you start envisioning result that you want and you start looking at the lessons or kind of going deeper into your upbringing of like, which energy did, did this person remind me of in my upbringing and kind of exploring, like, what did you believe about that relationship that you carried with you into your current one? I know that the fourth step was identifying your strengths. So, mm-hmm. um, I know a lot of people, you know, again, it's like they're in that heartbreak and it feels hard to see, especially because breakups really fuck with our worthiness. You know, it's like, um, how are you supposed to feel desired when you got, you know, like you went through something where you wanted somebody and they just didn't respond back to you. I know how painful that can be. So, um, how does somebody get reconnected to where they're great as a part of their healing? Okay, so um, a really big aspect of the breakup funeral is uh, recognizing your inherent strengths, your inherent character strengths. And in positive psychology, um, there are 24 character strengths that people possess to different degrees. And um, there's a whole there's a test that you can take. Um, uh, it's called the VIA survey. And it really like where what is it called the via v i a via yes it's um, you can find it at via v i a character dot org huh great okay yeah it's a uh, it's another um, um, it's I guess it's another personality test and it's it's very revealing mm-hmm. so um, there the I would say the top five strengths that you have are the ones that you have the most uh, access to the ones that are just most readily available to you. Mm. And so the idea there is, um, these character strengths such as creativity, honesty, um, uh, kindness, uh, humor. Um, we have these access to these top strengths. And so 
when we need the most, say when you're going through emotional turmoil, you it's really easy to to grab onto them so that it you can uh, it can pull you through. And what are and so, some of your strengths that you discovered from the test? Oh, <laughs> some of my strengths are kindness. My top strength is um, creativity, honesty, kindness, um, um, love of learning. Mm, beautiful. <laughs> Yeah. And so those are the ones that, um, if you were to pay attention, um, those are the strengths that created the breakup funeral, Mm. just the process, the methodology. That's what, um, that's what, that's what came out. And, um, the breakup funeral is, it's, it's, it's fun. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to make fun of breakups. It's supposed to, it, it's, it's a pretty, pretty wild idea that, okay, well, you know what, um, you know, I can't, so since you're not here to help me find closure, I'm going to create it for myself and, you know, I'm just going to go out back and burn some stuff and I'm going to call my girls and we're going to, well, you know, you're, drink you're some making, bubbly. Yeah, but that's a great point because a lot of people are roaming the planet right now thinking that their closure rests in somebody else and it just couldn't be further from the truth. Yes. Absolutely. Mm. <laughs> so, and so um, you get to create this for yourself and it doesn't rely on anyone under the sun. Mm. And so, so with these um, char- identifying your character strengths, um, the idea here is to strengthen those strengths um, so you can lean on them and not necessarily to, um, to focus on your weaknesses and then, um, you know, uh, exercise those muscles. No. Um, what are you good at? And let's focus on that. Mm-hmm. And when you say, what are you good at? Like, I'm just thinking like, girl, I'm going through a breakup. Like, what does it matter? I'm going through like what, what I'm good at. Like my heart's broken. What does focusing on your strengths have to do with the breakup? Mm. Okay. So the idea is that, um, when we learn how to build our own strengths, when we're going through uh, tumultuous times, we can pull on those strengths to remember who we are. Because mm. a lot, uh, a big part of um, the breakup is it's like forgetting, forgetting our intrinsic worth, forgetting that we don't have to do anything to deserve love. We don't have to be anyone. We don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. And so these strengths remind us of who we are. It's kind of like the silent whisper, like this, this is who you are inherently. Uh-huh. You know, mm-hmm. this is, you got this girl. Beautiful. And, um, your fifth point that I love with the breakup funeral beyond identifying your strength is creating your own closure. And this is really profound because I know a lot of people and you know you, who you are, if you're listening, you think the closure is going to come from talking to somebody. And sometimes that's helpful, but it's not necessary for closure. So how does somebody go about creating their own sense of closure so that they can have that kind of empowerment moving forward? Mm. So, um, in, in the methodology, I talk about creating a role play letter for yourself. And, um, what it is that you, um, write down what it is you most need to hear from the person in their voice and you address it to yourself. Mm. And so the, the ideology behind that is that your brain can't tell the difference between what is reality and what is imagined. Mm -hmm. 
And so this role play is, it's, it's a chance to try on an alternative perspective without you know, giving up your own. Mm, wonderful. And yeah. when, when you're kind of writing a letter through their voice, like I'm guessing that's gotta be a block for some people where they're like, well, I don't know what he's saying, you know, or she's saying to me. So how do you kind of get into that vibe where you can channel what somebody would be saying to you? Well, it's a channel, so you 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 open, you turn to the channel, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I will say that um, it's what you most want to hear. You get to control the narrative. You get to hear what you want to hear and what you want to hear them say. So, um, um, you know, I I included. I did this for myself when I was going through my breakup. Um, I have part of it, like I can read part of it. Would you like that? Yeah, please. I would love it. Okay. Okay. So, um, I wrote, dear Lenina, I'm sorry. I left without saying goodbye. You're lovely. You're smart. You're kind. The qualities of a person I want to spend my life with. I'm incredibly, I'm incredibly lucky to have gotten to know you and spend time with you. Thank you for sharing yourself with me. It was with great difficulty that I left. I have work to do on myself and my life that I must do alone. I can't spend that time you deserve on this relationship. I could not bring myself to admit it to you or myself, so I avoided you and the conversation. I see now that I was falling in love with you. You're magnificent, beautiful, and sacred, so that was easy for me to do. The truth is that I love you, and I'm not ready for a relationship. Love, ghost. And that is real name. That's wonderful. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So who's to say that this isn't true? Mm-hmm. It sounds true. Mm-hmm. And in fact, my brain doesn't know the difference. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just going to roll with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, as it relates to these, these steps, it's like, would you recommend sitting alone and writing this kind of closure letter or how can somebody go about getting started? Mm. Yes. Um, you can definitely sit alone and create and, and write this and, you know, take the personality tests, your creativity, uh, sorry, your character strength test. Um, but I will say that um, growth and learning and healing happens much, much faster in groups. So I recommend folks um, read the book and create their own, have their own breakup funeral and invite their friends over and have pink champagne or not, whatever champagne you want. <laughs> and... <laughs> And really make like a Friday night out of it and go out into the backyard and light it up and release. Mm, Wonderful. And, you know, what do you have to say to the person who does some of these steps or does all of them? And and we'll get into more of them. But, you know, it's easy to say release, but it's like maybe they write the letter and they're sitting out there and they think they're accepting it. But it's still like so present in their body and their heart and everything feels so heavy. What would you have to say to people who are like, I just can't release this? Okay, so this is going to be a process. And just because like you one day you go out and you burn some stuff doesn't mean that um, that's the end of it. Um, The idea is, um, I, you know, I like to say that I help women dissolve the energetic blocks that are keeping them from finding the love that they deserve. And the love that they deserve is their own. Yeah. And so that's a journey that might be a lifelong journey, but the idea here is to get you to recognize that that's, that's the love that you deserve the most. Mm -hmm. Right. And so this may or may not happen overnight. 
you may or may not um, forget about or stop thinking about your ex overnight. And it's really um, just the beginning. Mm. Okay. And then I love your next step, which is release and replace. That is so much fun because it's like, sounds so much more empowering than healing and forgiving and releasing, you know, like it's like, let's go. So what does release and replace really look like for somebody who's really committed to their breakup funeral and they're working through these steps? Mm-hmm. So um, the release and replace um, step, I would say that um, I call that part the cremation ceremony of mm-hmm. the breakup funeral. And it's one of my favorite parts. Um, you know, there's this idea, this thought that the universe loves a void, and so it will fill it once there is one. Mm. And I'm simply suggesting and offering with, you know, the second, the second step of the break and funeral, um, when you get clear about what you want, um, that's when you, um, you release and replace it with what you've envisioned and be intentional about what you're envisioning. So if you're going to create some kind of void, replace it with something intentional. And so, so what that looks like is, um, the, you light your fire pit and you, um, you write down on a piece of paper, what it is that you're letting go of. And one of the things I share with, um, uh, my participants is, you know, it can be something general, like I'm letting go of anyone, anything or any place that no longer serves me. Mm. And you can release that. So, yes, it's general, but it's also a catch-all because it's, um, one, it's like you're not identifying one particular thing to release because perhaps you're not ready to release it, but there might be something else that you can. Mm, Great. Okay. And, you know, for those of you taking notes, like beginning with acceptance, envisioning the results, discovering hidden lessons, identifying your strengths creating your own closure, releasing and replacing, and then one of the best ones, prioritizing self-care. How does this look for somebody who is moving through these steps? Yes, okay. Yes, you just got some energy, girl. Yes. (laughs) So it really is about redirecting all the energy that you are expending um, towards them and redirecting it right back onto yourself. So... I remember like my, um, I was talking with my sister, one of my, I, my younger sister is my roommate. So they, um, she has a lot to do with my healing because she was around for a lot of it. And she, I just remembered, um, she, uh, she coming by my room after seeing me like mope around and say, I can't believe this happened. And she's like, Lenina, don't give it light. And I just remembered that being very uh, poignant because, um, she's not the woo woo type at all. She's a psychiatric nurse. Like she's like, all right, <laughs> meditation. Onward and upward. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She's like, boom, 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 move. <laughs> totally. And she she totally just looked at me. She's like, don't give it light, right? And the way I was giving it light was like I was giving it my attention, mm. which is you know, I was giving it my emotional energy, and that was just uh, I guess like breathing life into it. Mm-hmm. breathing life into um, a, a relationship that like was dead that didn't even like it was like dead on arrival so it was just like it really wasn't a, it was a non-starter mm. and so once I like redirected all that energy back onto myself I really had to recognize that I don't know I didn't know how to show myself love 
And I didn't even know like what, like how, like how to do self care. Mm. And so that's when I started, um, I had to research how to set boundaries, how to, what is self care, how to show myself self care. What is, uh, what is self love? And it's not to say that I didn't love myself. And I would probably say that most people are like, yeah, I love myself. And so the question is, um, well, how do you um, love yourself fully or to a higher capacity, to a higher degree than you are showing right now? And so prioritizing self-care, that was a a really big learning lesson for me and um, getting back to um, getting back to to me and how it's done. Mm -hmm. And, And it's a science. It really it's a science like because we're not taught how to take care of ourselves and you know how to release old beliefs old relationships how to cleanse ourselves of that it's it's not a thing and i just um i guess i just really wanted to figure out how to um um, methodologize it you know and i've spoken a lot about how self-care it's like misunderstood as running away from something versus running towards it like I think a lot of people think about self-care and self-love and they're like, I'm going to love myself and have a bubble bath and eat dark chocolate. And that's great. Sometimes that is the way to love yourself, but sometimes that's just outright running away from where you need to really love yourself. Maybe that looks like, you know, having a breakup funeral, like really facing what's here. And maybe that looks like, um, you know, making a spreadsheet of my debt. That's what I had to do when my business went under forever ago. Um, so it's it's like self-love really just looks like to me what's in your highest good. And I find a lot of people don't know how to love themselves or they didn't even know where they stood in loving themselves until the life threw them a situation where they had to love themselves because nobody else was giving them that love. And that especially happens in a breakup. Maybe you've been with somebody for a decade or whatever have you. You're so used to them being there to validate you. And then next thing you know, all you have is yourself. And that's when school's in session and it begins, you know, so... I appreciate what you're saying, and I love your final point of celebrating yourself and want to ask you how that really can look, because I know a lot of people think like, okay, you know, celebrate myself, what does that mean, you know, Um, and even I kind of sometimes wonder, like, does that just mean pausing for a moment? Like, how do you relate to celebrating yourself? You know what? I took celebrating myself quite literally. I turned 33, and I threw myself a birthday bash that rivaled the quinceanera. Mm. crown and all mm, amazing <laughs> so i really i i celebrated myself by um surrounding myself with the people i love mm-hmm. with the foods i love with um family and friends and just like i it took a beat so that um i can absorb all the i guess uh, all the love and all the positive stuff that's going on in my life at the time mm. and I, I took it quite literally. Some, you know what? Um, that was the biggest party I've ever thrown myself to date. You know, some women get married and have big weddings. I had a birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing missing great. was the registry, and I might fix that later. Mm, might just fix that. That's so good. I love that. And, you know, take me into people who are kind of feeling like, okay, well, I'm not a party person. I don't know how to celebrate myself. Like, what do you suggest? Okay. Fair enough. Let's start small uh, by acknowledging your, your wins Mm. and 
full transparency, that is something that is really hard for me. Yeah, of course. (laughs) So that is something that, um, uh, that can be a challenge for a lot of women, a lot of people that we, um, uh, we don't take a beat to, to really like sit down and look at like, okay, what, what did I like really like, I blew that out of the water and I, I'm proud of myself for that. And just like writing it down. Yeah. Self-acknowledgement, such a thing. Um, okay. Well, this has been so insightful. Where can everybody find you, get the book, learn from you? Sure. You know what, um, Ashley, I would really like to, um, offer, um, your listeners a gift and, um, allow them to get the book for free. Ah. And yeah, I want to make this accessible to as many people as possible. And I (laughs) I want to hear about all the breakup funerals that are going on <laughs> <laughs> around the world. And That's like, great. And you know what? And your, you know, your listeners can um, get directions on how to do that um, um, at my website. It's aintthinkingaboutyoubook.com. Aintthinkingaboutyoubook.com. Hell yeah. Thank you so much, Lenina. This has been so insightful. Thank you for having me. Hey guys, it's Ash here and I'm just reflecting on the episode with Lenina Mortimer and what came up for me the most was not just the steps on how to heal or overcome a relationship that ruptured or move on, but also this thought about um, trauma and how it can really freeze our development and what signs are there that we can take a look at that mean maybe we're not over something. So you know, I remember when I lost my business and, you know, millions of dollars went out the window and I was left with all of this corporate debt. And for me, you know, I could have chosen not to face it. Um, you know, maybe I was doing the logistics, like paying off the debt, but emotionally, I could have chosen not to feel the fact that like, I just had this massive failure and how sad I was about it. Um, but the thing was, was that I'd grown up around um, a parent who had debt at one point and family members. And what I watched happen was because they didn't emotionally process it when it happened, they were, it would, it would come up at weird times and they would want to talk, talk about it to anyone who would listen. And um, to me, that was just a sign that they hadn't really processed it, sat with it. Um, and so I think, you know, given that so many of us are conditioned to just get by and survive, we tend to go into fix it mode and we don't realize that we also have to tend to our hearts and our losses and really feel them. And so, um, it, it might feel kind of baffling to ask yourself, like, how do I feel my feelings? How do I feel my losses? And it also might feel weird because you're probably thinking like, I'm not really in the mood to feel like shit today. If I had something shitty happen, you know? Um, but rest assured, What I can say is if you spend 10 minutes when you feel a feeling, really feeling it, uh, it's a lot of feeling, (laughs) then you can avoid weeks and years of your life talking about it as this makeshift way to process it. Um, Far too often we rely on our mind and our brain and our, our head to figure things out. And and that that's a very mental level. Whereas if we go straight into the heart of how something feels and we feel it and we feel it out, um, something releases. And so if you're going through a heartbreak, a breakup, your business isn't working for you, you're in a job that isn't working for you. It all starts with feeling that, like really feeling that. So I would just offer you now to ask yourself, like, what is going on in your life right now that isn't working for you that you wish was working? Like, what do you wish was working, but it's fucking not, you know? 
maybe there's nothing and that's great. You can tune into this and take some notes and do it at another time. But if there's something in your life right now that's not working for you, it's like, how can you set aside some time when it, either when it comes up or if it never really comes up because you're just so shut off to it, set aside some intentional time to put the covers over your head and your bed and just like literally feel it, feel the pain, feel the disappointment, feel the wishes, feel the tears, whatever it is. And I think from there, there becomes a lot more space to once you cried out or whatever it is feel some sort of release. And um, I think that in the same way that trauma freezes you and keeps you talking about old things as if they just happened or processing them with people on a mental level, the biggest hack is just to feel them. And so I think at any given moment, we're all not feeling something, you know, whether it's in, in my case, like um, it's as small as like a tiff that I had with my boyfriend, or it's as big as my sister having passed away. Um, I'm constantly taking stock of myself. I'm not perfect. My personal development is not shining despite how I sound on the YouTube podcast. I feel like I'm so human. Um, but just starting to take stock of like what is left in your closet that you're not looking at and why are you not looking at it? What, what about it is threatening to you? What about it is scary to you? And just to feel all of it. So I wish I could give you a quicker hack, but to be honest, this is so fast. When you feel something and you let yourself sit with it for 10, 15, 20 minutes, usually it releases its grip on you and you feel a hell of a lot better. And that's what I wish for you. And there's a whole science to this, but we can just keep it simple and even more out of the head. <laughs> so uh, I wish you a lot of luck with feeling your feelings and I can't wait to hear how this goes. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. We keep really detailed show notes at U-TurnPodcast.com. So if our guest mentioned a book or a resource that you're interested in, you'll be able to find that there. In the meantime, if you were inspired by this episode, if it made an impact in your life, we would be so grateful if you subscribed and posted a review for us on iTunes. Rumor has it on the street, the more reviews we get, the more subscribes we get, the more we can grow and get our impact out there in the world. In the meantime, I'd love to hear from you at Ashley Stahl on Instagram. I'm so grateful for connecting and I look forward to next week's episode.